I feel like my default setting is people are angry or disappointed with me. That's just like my <laughs> default assumption. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> and 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 it's my job to kind of manage that. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Big Feels Club podcast from locked down Melbourne. I I'm finally seeing another human face that isn't covered in a mask because we're doing this over Skype with Amy Davis. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Not wearing a mask, but wearing an impressive uh, microphone and headphone headset. <laughs> Look, I am now wearing a mask every time I leave the house, which is pretty weird. Kind of uh, saying just before, I felt like a dick when I first started wearing one and no one else was, and now everyone's wearing them, which is sort of preferable, but also I've been surprised at how strange that is to not see any mm. faces when you leave the house. Yeah, I can't really imagine that. We're definitely not at that stage in Canberra, but yeah, there's a few people wearing masks. It's more just the general, like, staying away from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, yeah, so we, we and we talked last time about how that... Even that just is, fuck, man. It's quite a, it's quite a mindset. Hey, mm. this whole thing of like people are a threat. Yes, it's odd. Let's all remember that every time we leave the house. So I don't know, but we'll talk a bit about all of that. Just also like, <laughs> also noticing recently how the big world events going on doesn't mean that your own shit you deal with day to day goes away. Mm. So I'm just, yeah, I think I'm, I'm really in this kind of, I think I'm in the bit where I'm like feeling pretty claustrophobic about it all and also still <laughs> just kind of dealing with my own shit. So it's an interesting combo is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, how are you doing? I was thinking about that this morning because <laughs> I was like, I know you're going to ask me that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure that I can answer that. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I can't really justify why. Mm. I think it's just so variable at the moment. Like I'm just, you know, I'll ju I just wake up in the morning and I'm like, what's today going to bring? <laughs> yeah. um, and how am I going to react to it? Yeah. And I don't know how that will be every day or even like, you know, in an hour, how am I going to be? Yeah. Is there particular stuff that kind of is pushing your buttons more than others around the, what's happening or? Um, I just think that in general, the, this year is just completely fucked with me. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I, before all of this had a really good sort of routine mm. and I think that's it really, the routine that was keeping me like, on a pretty good, like, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Steady mood, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is just, yeah. I don't know how to describe it other than to say that it's just fucked with my routine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so it. I think the routine is, is really interesting. I've been, I've been kind of intellectually aware of how important that is to me for a while now. But this year is like being the proof of concept. Mm. here's what happens when you don't have it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I talk about a lot as like the rhythm, the rhythm of life, the rhythm of socializing 
they can be really simple things for me, like playing basketball on the weekend, talking to my friends and, and seeing them every Wednesday night for dinner kind of thing. Like it's, it's that kind of thing, which is now not happening. And it's funny when we talked last, I think we were, we were both in that space of, particularly with the social stuff of like missing it, but not, not, overly missing it you know like yeah I, I remember we were both kind of like yeah and, and for me in particular that stuff's always been stuff I have to force myself to do mm. um so for a while there it really was kind of like ah cool a little bit of ooh, guilt guilt free kind of no pressure freedom but then now I feel like I'm on the other side of that where yeah. it's not I'm just, I'm just sort of really seeing that connection. I'm like, oh, if I don't talk to anyone who's not my girlfriend and my dog for a couple of weeks, I feel this way. Mm. It's hard though, because even if you know that it's not always enough motivation to actually do anything about it or change, I don't know. Sometimes I think I need to sit in that space of like, I feel really shit and I know why. Like, I, not that I know why, but like, I feel really shit and I know that if I did certain things, then I would feel better. Yeah. I have to feel that for a certain amount of time before I'm like, all right, fine, I'll actually go and do those things. <laughs> <laughs> What's your threshold? How, how long does it take for you? I think it varies and sometimes the way that I like really get shocked into being like, okay, it's time to take this seriously is to have a few really, really bad days and then I'm like, okay, I can't live like this. Yeah. This has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I, I'm trying to think. So for me recently I've just started getting back on Zoom chats, which mm-hmm. I, I kind of hated in, in – you know, they're awkward and we'd have like a weekly one booked in, which replaced the get together me and my friends would have. And every time I would get to like five minutes to the time and I'd be like, nah, fuck it. I wouldn't do it. And then I've just, I've gone like twice in the past three weeks. I'm trying to figure out why. And I, it really was that I did get to that point. I was like, I I just feel for me, it wasn't so much that I was having like really shit days as I was just feeling really, just tight and like uh my you know I was walking around the streets and seeing all these people in masks and avoiding one another and I just my my whole relationship to other people I was noticing was starting to become very like threat oriented Mm. and I have had these funny things happening like I don't know if you would have this but like I feel like my um, default setting is people are angry or disappointed with me. That's just like my <laughs> default assumption. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's my job to kind of manage that. That's kind of yeah. my, my somehow invested belief from childhood. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. <laughs> so oh. when you throw in, like that's default anyway, right? But when you throw into the mix these weird kind of distancing things that are going on, it's almost like A, that just gets turned up because people are literally a threat. But B, I think my way of kind of managing that default state 
of people are angry and disappointed with me is simply to see them. Like if I see my friends once a week, it's like a little reminder. Oh, they don't hate me. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, that's good. That'll last about a week and then I'll need a refresher <laughs> on that. Um, but when you, when you stop doing those things or where they become kind of much easier to avoid, uh, cause you have, you know, 10 excuses not to do them. It, it, I guess I just realized that I was getting more and more into that kind of hunched up, tight everyone's everyone's angry and disappointed with me place if that makes yeah. sense to the point that like I was like uh the cafe that I've stopped going to because I'm afraid of catching something there I wonder if the barista who's I'm real friendly with I wonder if he's like really really personally offended that I'm not coming in you know it's that kind of <laughs> level and I'm like oh fuck that's that's some if we're going to feel guilty about that, then we're in trouble. So that's where I think that's where it came from that I was finally like, fuck it. I'm going to go to a Zoom call. Yeah. That's interesting because as you've been talking, I'm like mentally going through the last few weeks and I'm like, that's totally what I've been doing as well in terms <laughs> of like letting that voice get louder and louder. Like they don't like you. And then like, if I actually think about it, I'm like, why don't, why do you think they don't like you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Or, you know, they're offended by something you've done or. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it ever something specific? Uh, like they're offended by uh, this thing that happened or is it more just kind of a, a, a vast desert of possibilities that you may have offended them without even realizing? I think it is usually specific stuff, but it's silly things like, I'll make a joke and then it's like not that funny or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was weird. Everyone thinks I'm weird now. <laughs> this oh. is so interesting. Eh? I, I've come to kind of see that there are like two tracks to this. I won't say solutions, but two like things I need to do to respond to that when it gets really loud. So one is finding the the people who are kind of my more normal friends and reminding myself I can fit in with them. And the other is finding the few friends of mine who are as weird as I am and really just diving into that too. Yeah. There's the line you said there of like, my friends think I'm weird. It's like my response to that is two things. One, remind yourself they don't, but also remind yourself that, that they do, but in a, in a good way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so that's where I have like, so someone like Gareth, who's been on this podcast a lot, or, um, you know, there's one or two other I'd say one or two. It's like that. It's a, it's a small group of people who who I can be totally honest with, and not even necessarily will be. Like it's like you know one of one of my mates, Patrick. He and I will mostly talk about video games and, and politics, but but we can talk about the fact that we're both quite similarly in our heads. Yeah in some pretty intense ways. And so when we do talk about that, it's sort of like a little reminder that even when we're just talking shit, it's kind of this space to be as fucking weird as you are mm. and still having those friends in my life. That, so the other friends I call like, I call, sometimes call them my pretend friends. And I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean I'm pretending we're friends. I just mean like they're the friends who I pretend to be normal with. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think everyone has that. You have like different ways that you act around people that are like in your inner circle. Yeah. Um, 
I immediately think of the, like the circle thing if you've ever had to do that activity where oh, you like that? draw who's like closest into you and then the next layer out is like people that you're friends with but you wouldn't go to um, in a crisis or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like, you know, shopkeepers and whatever on yeah. the outer. Bar- baristas you're feeling guilty about not seeing that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So does that make sense then that this idea that this kind of, yeah, it's sort of like two related but slightly different things that you're looking for with those two sets. Yeah, definitely. Like some like something that I really like about say like going running with my running group is that they really don't know who I am. They don't know me very well at all. Yes. And so it's a real opportunity to just like not pretend to be someone else but just stay on that really light level of yes. discussion where yeah. you're not, they're not expecting you to talk about your deep, you know, beliefs or what's, when they say, how are you? They don't expect you to be like, well, actually it's been, you know, it's a pretty terrible week. This happened and that happened. It's more like a, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and in that moment, that's not a lie, right? It's just a different kind of truth or a different kind of connection, basically. Like it, I think this is the thing, like not all connection has to be, and this, this kind of gets to where we, where we were going to go with this podcast, which is like the whole, are you okay? Mm. Just, just reach out for help stuff. I think what it can sometimes miss is the value of, of pretending the value of, or not even pretending, maybe it's performing. Yeah. I really firmly believe that who we are changes from context to context yeah, absolutely. I can literally be having the worst fucking time at home and then go hang out with some people and talk shit and in that moment be really good. It doesn't mm. mean the other shit's not happening. It's just like it's not as simple as like the real me and the pretend me. I'm just different in these different contexts. Mm. And and so, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the whole are you okay kind of way of approaching this stuff. But for me, I think that's one of the things it misses is, is the value of kind of what you said right at the beginning, which is the question of are you okay sometimes doesn't even make sense. Like in, yeah. your, in your running group, it's like that's an irrelevant question. Yeah, it's like a um, just a polite thing to say. Yeah. It's like a greeting. It's not. Exactly. Yeah. They don't actually want to know. No, of course <laughs> That not. would be really weird. <laughs> and, and, totally. I mean, jogging along and, yeah, bearing yourself. So in terms of that inner circle, those really close people who you might be really honest with, one of the things I'm wondering about at the moment is, like, what what do you even want from other people at a time like this if if you're having a rough one? <laughs> what, do you, what is useful? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a really tough question. Mm. And I think a lot of the time I don't know the answer. I don't actually know what's going to help. So my partner, when he says to like if I'm having a really tough day and he says to me, what can I do? Like, are you, are you okay? Yeah. Um, sometimes I just don't respond. I just look at him because I'm like, I don't know how to put it into words. Mm. And then he'll just like, you know, cook dinner for us or do something mm. that means that I can just stare at the wall or whatever I need to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes talking just isn't 
like you can't put it into words. Yeah. One of the chords that Big Feels Club strikes with people seems to be you put it into words when I can't. And it's like, Mm. I think that is part of what it is because first of all, it's a very subjective experience to Mm. be having a hard time. Like even as we talk about it, we're sort of using these vague terms of like, what the fuck are we even talking about? It's like, you know, it's such a specific and yet hard to kind of describe thing. And the terms we are given as a culture, so things like mental illness or, you know, whatever other terms that get kind of used in the space more typically are often these these sort of empty containers in some ways. Like they, they kind of tell you everything and nothing. So one of the things I've tried to do with Big Feels Club is just kind of find a bit more language. Like even just the phrase Big Feels is like a, that's, that's mm. another kind of term. Can we add some more to the mix? So that's kind of one uh, part of it is to sort of find people who you can have some kind of shared language with. I don't know. I think about with Anna, like, and and that's kind of an interesting relationship in itself because we both go to those places pretty regularly. Mm. We've had to kind of find a sort of shorthand because it is uncommunicatable or because you don't always feel like talking about it. Yeah. Which I think is kind of what you're getting at, right? Like it's sort of, even if you could, it's like it, if every time you were having a shit time, you had to kind of describe it to someone that would get pretty tired pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so we've kind of had to find these sort of shortcuts. I, one of the ones I use a lot with Anna, we talk about, uh, I'll say I'm in my pickle jar today, which means, so I, I have this idea of a pickle jar, which is anything that you worry about more than you think you should so like something that you know intellectually isn't that big a deal, but for whatever reason, your brain is like stuck on it. Mm. Um, I, I call it a pickle jar and I have some of, some of them that have lasted for years. Like I have yeah. some, some very like reusable pickle jars that I will clean every day and, and, and jump <laughs> back into. Um, so one of them in particular, she knows about that. I will just say I'm, I'm in, I, she knows what I mean when I say I'm in my pickle jar and it, it's kind of the response just can just be then, oh, yeah. And it sort yeah. of explains why I'm being quiet, but it doesn't uh, like have to dive into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think sometimes you just can't talk about stuff at that, like when you're in it, you, mm. you have to sort of reflect on it later and then you can explain what was going on. Yeah. Because mm. sometimes like, there's all these things going through my head and I'm like, oh, I could say that. That would kind of describe what's happening. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh, oh I don't know. And then I spend so much time thinking about like how to describe how I'm feeling that the, the time has passed. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about it anymore. But it does sound like from what you're describing, because both the examples we're giving, so your partner kind of even just going and making dinner for you or – the kind of short ter- shortcut terms I have with Anna, it's like in either case, the point is creating a little bit of space where it's okay to be feeling whatever you're feeling. Mm. And and sometimes creating that space doesn't doesn't involve talking at all. It's kind of just naming what's happening and then letting it happen. Yeah. And I think that that is absolutely what I'm looking for with the other people in my life, particularly... So either way, either when it's 
just letting my partner know so that she knows and and it, and it's kind of named but we don't talk any further on it or when it's calling up someone so for me it's like Gareth who I'll call the last time I was having an absolute crazy time I called him and he just there was just such a sense of everything he said gave me the message this is not a problem it's like he was there, he was willing to listen, he was willing to chat for as long as, as I wanted to. Everything about that interaction was like, what you're feeling right now isn't a problem, even yeah. though it's fucking terrifying, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the, that's the like the the advanced gold standard version if you can find that person. There's not, <laughs> that's pretty hard to find and it takes time to cultivate those relationships. Where are all the other Gareths? <laughs> <laughs> I want a Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> but... but Whatever it is, whatever version it is you find, and that with, with him, even me and him, that took years to kind of find that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the point there is like anyone that you can give any clue to without it freaking them out is fucking gold. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not they understand. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to find someone like that. Mm. And I think um, I'm just thinking like because I, I guess I've had people to call in the past when I've been like in the system yeah, <laughs> for yeah. one of a yeah yeah um sounds weird but no I get that that's, that's quite, um, a, quite a good <laughs> it's very hit and miss though like who and not necessarily because the people trying to help you are not good at their job it's just like you got to find that person that you're gonna click with and there's so many yeah it's it's not easy to find the right person. God, yeah. And then if you're in the public system, you don't get a choice either. It's like that's who you have. <laughs> well, there's there's a real strain in the past three or four decades in Western approach to mental health, which is that we've kind of moved to this idea of therapy as like a process. Mm. So things like CBT, DBT, they're, they're very process oriented therapies by which I mean anyone could administer the therapy to you and as long as you follow the right steps you should get better which you know works for some people definitely doesn't work for many whereas back in kind of 60s 70s with kind of more like humanistic therapies it was all about the relationship Mm. not the process so it was all about the person it was all about like do we connect or not and I really think we've lost that I'm not saying it would be easy to kind of have that on a large scale in, in any kind of bureaucratic system, it's always going to be yeah. hard to find. And, and yet I do think that it's really worth naming like you just have because what happens if all the messages you've been given are do these steps and you'll get better and then you don't, um, then that's a really kind of lonely place to be. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, and especially when it's like, I don't know, I feel like at this point I can – I could write like a full page of all the different things that I've done in terms of like medication or like, you know, therapies or whatever. Yeah. In theory, I'm like doing great. <laughs> like I've, I've done all the things. Um, yeah. But it doesn't, it's, you know, they say recovery isn't linear. <laughs> I always, I love all those like, I don't know, sort of cliched phrases about mental health. Yeah. I love the phrase, in theory, I'm, I'm doing great. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mental health resume is just fantastic, all right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is a really common experience. I think that, I mean, certainly that's something we've heard a fuckload through big feels is, is I'm doing all the right things and I still feel like shit. Mm. And uh, what I want the world to know, and something I will repeat many times, is that that's a really that's all, that's probably the majority experience. We we mm. think of we think of that as the minority experience, but I think that, I mean, you know, just to cite some studies, one in two people who experience anxiety and depression will will feel that way for years. Yeah. Even if you're doing all the right things. Oh, that's depressing. <laughs> well, it is, and yet it's also just like. I mean, that's certainly been my experience. Yes, me um, too, yeah. So there's something about it that's like, oh, maybe, oh, maybe this isn't a, like, I'm not the fucking aberrant, mm. uh, aberration. Anna talks about it in No Feeling Is Final, her podcast. She says, like, I thought I was like a stain on an otherwise perfect mental health system. Mm. And it's not for years until she meets kind of other people with the same experiences she's got that she realizes, oh, it's really common to search for the answer for years. It's really common to feel like you found the answer and then feel like that answer doesn't work anymore. It's really common yeah. to find the next answer and then feel like that doesn't work anymore and then and on and on you go. Um, so I guess it is sort of depressing in one sense, but I, but I also... <sighs> And again, this this comes from having those few people in my life with whom I can explore this stuff without it being about finding a solution. I can explore yeah. it as not a problem, but as a human experience. That has helped me kind of see that all the shit that I deal with, much of it self-inflicted, is uh, <laughs> it's part of the ride. Like it's part of the package of being who I am. And mm. I, I know that sounds kind of pat, but I I don't know how I could do life any differently. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd be a different person. Yeah. And how do you do that? <laughs> how do you change who you are? Uh, well, we'll figure that out in our next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Simple 10-step yeah. program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that the idea of it being sort of more complicated and maybe the fact that other people experience that as well, maybe that, that that's a common experience, makes me feel like almost less guilty for going through this. Yeah. That's going to sound weird. No, but, it totally makes um, sense to me, particularly at the moment. Yeah. The guilt layer. This, yeah, it, the guilt thing is is stupid. Well, it's not stupid. It's just I have this like completely different viewpoint when I'm thinking about myself mm. versus other people. Yeah. So like for example, the advice that I would give someone in mm. a similar situation. <laughs> and I guess this is probably the same for a lot of people, but yeah. The things that I would say to somebody else are usually pretty, like, nice, you know, <laughs> and, like, you know, encouraging. But yeah. then if I go through those same things, I'm like, if this is your fault, 
you're not doing the right things, you're letting people down. Yeah. I would never say that to someone else. Yeah. And I think part of that comes from this idea that a lot of people still have where you have to have some kind of justification for how you're feeling. Mm. And if you don't, then get over it. Mm. You know, like I've even had someone say to me who was a psychologist, something along the lines of other patients that I see, it's really clear to me why they're in the position that they are and they're feeling the way that they do. Mm. But with you, it doesn't make sense. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I never saw her again. <laughs> but um, Jesus Christ. But that stuck with me, that I her bet. saying that to me, because I was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Like, isn't that why I'm here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you well, help me with that? Well, uh, well I mean, she, she clearly couldn't. No. <laughs> two things. I have two responses to that. One is fucking hell. I feel like we all have these moments with mental health professionals and, you know, there's plenty of those listening, so bless those of you who wouldn't say something like that. But Yeah. Oh, there's some amazing people. Yeah, Absolutely. But we always want <laughs> to just stick with us. But I do think there's something really interesting, which is and I'm kind of channeling Gareth here. I talk a lot about having big, scary feelings that don't make sense. And he always pulls me up and he's like, yeah, of course they don't make sense, you dickhead. They're feelings. Mm. It's a good point. <laughs> it's the mind-body split. So it's like feelings and then thoughts and they're two different things. And to kind of try and take your, your emotional life and intellectually make sense of it is is can be a really interesting exercise and you can learn a lot from kind of exploring that and kind of unpacking that and 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 diving into that mind-body connection but ultimately it doesn't make sense mm. it doesn't make sense to going back to the example from before to to feel often that your best friends hate you <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make sense <laughs> but here it is. It's happening again. And so it's more like, what do you do with that? How does that feel? What, it, what is it like to live a life where that's one of the kind of characters of your life is that feeling of, of threat and, and kind of precarity? Like what, what does a life like that look like? Which is a more philosophical question than why are you feeling this way? Yeah. <laughs> you just made me like I just immediately went to like the fact that I was 20 minutes later to talk to you today than I thought I would be is yeah. because I had to like ask a question of some other people that I work with mm. and it took me so long to write this question which was like two sentences yeah because I'm so like oh if I don't describe this in the right terms, they're going to think I'm an idiot. They're, like, they're going to be like, why does she even have this job? She has no idea what she's doing. And then like, what if the answer to this question is really obvious and I should already know it and I shouldn't even be, have to ask, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, it's, it's, it takes me so long to write like emails and messages and things because I'm, I have to reread it a million times. I never understand when I get an email and there's like a spelling mistake. I'm like, how have you not read your email like five times? <laughs> so do, you, do I do think that email in particular, for those of us who kind of have this disposition, whatever we want to call it, like a kind of, I don't know, we're on high alert for, for 
any threat to our relationship or, or sort of standing with other people, right? I do think email is kind of the the worst of all possible communication mediums because it's it combines, on the one hand, all the kind of thoughtfulness and reflection that would go into writing a letter combines that with the urgency and demand for instant response mm. if that makes sense so like even even having an email sitting in your inbox that you haven't read yet or that you have read and you've marked as unread because you haven't replied yet <laughs> it just it's like this emotional weight it's like it's every time you open your inbox it's then screaming at you and you feel like i'm gonna stop saying you i feel like <laughs> I, i'm I'm disappointing someone all over again every time I choose not to reply. Yeah. And so I, I might still reply in a timely fashion. I might reply in a week, which I think is a perfectly reasonable time frame to reply to an email. And But every, I've seen it like 30 times in that week, and that's 30 moments of feeling mm. like I've disappointed that person. So anyway, yeah. what, what I'm trying to say is it's funny because I've literally just said all this stuff doesn't make sense, but it also kind of does make sense to labor over an email for ages because of all those factors? Yeah, it does. I mean, it makes sense in terms of you can explain why you're doing it. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a logical, like the fears that you have or the judgments that you're making on yourself, you might even know even when you're doing it. Yeah. This is a bit over the top. Yes. I probably don't need to be reacting like this, but you can't help it. You can't help it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you... Are there people, like, so, I don't know, if you were emailing me, would you do that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. Would you be up for an experiment where the next time you email me, you just type it out and send it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll never know if I actually did it. No, uh, no, I will. Sure. I'll give it a go. What if the challenge is, like, there, there, there has to be at least one typo in it. <laughs> Am I not allowed to reread it at all? Up to you. Whatever you think would be useful. Hmm. I'm making this up. It'd be interesting. I'd probably click send and then I'd go back and read it just to, so that I know what I've sent yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Which I do sometimes anyway, even after rereading something five times. Oh, I absolutely do that. In the same way as like when you're on a Skype call, it's so hard to not just look at your own picture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you're emailing... It's so hard to not just focus on your bit. I don't know what the fear is. I, sometimes I do that. I'm like looking at my sent email literally after I've sent it. And I'm like, well, what do I think has happened? Like someone's intercepted it and put like a, I don't know, photo of a penis in it or something. Like <laughs> surely, surely it's exactly the same as it was when I read it like two minutes ago. I don't know. Like even when I'm doing it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm wasting so much time. Just, Yeah. I- <laughs> but it makes me feel better <laughs> that sure. I know that it's exactly how I thought it was. Totally. I'm just like, if that did happen, would they believe you if you were like, I did not put that in there? <laughs> yeah, probably not. There's nothing you can do about it anyway. I don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's funny. Um, yeah, look, I think I think there is a, there's a theme here and, it, you know, we, we'll have different manifestations of it, but this whole thing of like, I'm always just this close to be found out, to being found out, you know, you know, you know, I'm one, I'm one typo away from my colleagues realizing I'm, a, I shouldn't have my job. I'm one 
bad joke away from my friends realizing they don't like me. It's that kind of sense of precarity or precariousness or whatever that word is that kind of pervades all of our attempts at communication. I do think I want to kind of um, wrap this up because we could talk all day and we could probably do other um, future episodes. But I guess one of the frames I've found useful over the years for this with myself is like I noticed that I have kind of two main ways of interacting with other people. One is what I call protection mode and the other is connection mode. So the protection mode is what I'm kind of default in. And that's where like I'm, I'm focusing more on what I'm saying than what, and on what you're saying. I'm focused more on what my email says than on what your response is. It, it's all about like protecting the relationship, protecting my place in the tribe. If you want to bring it to its kind of root level, it's like my, my fear is I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to be ousted from the tribe. So my, my goal in any interaction is like, just don't fuck up. So that's protection mode. And then connection mode is those rare moments where I'm talking to you and I'm more interested in what you're saying. Mm. I see a message from a, a, a dear friend and I actually open it rather than worrying about how if I open it, they'll see that I've opened it because it's on <laughs> Facebook Messenger and then I yeah. have to reply and, I, you know, all that kind of noise. And I guess it's, in some ways it's kind of mysterious when one when I can find myself in connection mode, but but there are some little things that I try and do. So when I notice that I'm spending more than usual on a message, or I notice that I've got a message from a good friend that I haven't looked at for a whole week, I kind of give myself these little challenges to try and get back into connection mode. So it's like, I might just like open it um, or I might just reply imperfectly or I might, I say just, I shouldn't say just for any of these things because it's the whole point is it feels impossible until you do it. Um, But this is where I, this is where I'm coming from where I'm like, send me your imperfect email. <laughs> if there's a random dick pic in it, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. I'll know it wasn't you. <laughs> I'll, I'll wonder. Yeah, it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I, I don't know if that's useful or not, but uh, let's try it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> uh, cool. Let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, thank you, Amy, for joining me. That was cool. We will do this again soon. Sounds good.